Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Welcome back, Andrew. Well, thanks. It's good to be here. Glad that you can be here with us today. Had a great conversation with Peyton yesterday. Sure thing. Uh, But I'm looking forward to a great conversation with you today about Mm -hmm. Hebrews 11. Continuing. Strive for greatness. Yeah, so we are in Hebrews 11. It's wonderful. We're striving, wonderful striving for greatness. Okay. Striving for greatness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about phrases before the mics were on and the ones to use, the ones to not use. And striving for greatness is probably a good one. That could be a catchphrase. Might be. Might be. <laughs> or maybe you could just read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. I could. Read some greatness. All right. Hebrews 11, 23 through 28 from the New King James Version. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them." Here's a paragraph about Moses. Mm -hmm. I'm always thrown just a little bit with the first sentence because Moses himself and his faith had absolutely nothing to do with his being hidden for the three months or put in that mark. That's the faith of his parents Parents, right there. Yeah, that's right. Their love for God and a trust in the blessing of this child over and against the command of Pharaoh. Yeah. How hard would it be to ignore the command of Pharaoh? Well, I mean, <laughs> part of me thinks that the command of Pharaoh is just so objectively wrong. I mean, infanticide is a horrible persecution against the people of God. But at the same time, yeah, you are risking your life. You're risking the other children's lives. So it's a it's a terrible time, a terrible burden on the people of God. Sure, we don't want the children to die, but if we don't go ahead and stop all these children being born, then we're going to die. Here were people that were willing to put their own lives on the line to save the life of their son. Yeah. So, and and it's the midwives as well. As I recall reading back in in Exodus, that um, there seems to be a lot of people who are not on board with Pharaoh's command. Uh, you know, as it unfolds. But it's striking to me that there is an emphasis in verse 23 placed upon the child himself. He was a beautiful child. The idea there that he's marked for a greatness, he needs to be preserved, okay? That it's every child, you know, is beautiful in the eyes of their mother, if no one else. (laughs) Even you. But, But there's something about this child, right? And so they're willing to risk everything in faith for the preservation of the child. Faith that says there's something better coming. Whatever mm-hmm. whatever we face, and, and and the faith, the faith is not necessarily if we do this, this child is going to survive. The faith is if we do this, God is going to preserve us. Mm-hmm. God is we're, mm-hmm. we're going to move on to the preservation of our souls. Let's get mm-hmm. back to chapter ten and verse thirty nine, where it points out we are not people who shrink back to destruction. Correct. We are those who by faith 
push on to the preservation of our souls. And yeah. that's that's what's going on here, that whatever whatever Pharaoh does, we're going to be on God's side. And what's beautiful about the account is they act to preserve the life of Moses, making the little uh, ark of bulrushes right and place him in the water to be found. But what tremendous faith is that in God's providence and protection that you're going to put your baby in the Nile and leave it in God's hands? Mm. It's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to kill the baby. I can't do that. But I can't, I can't have the baby here anymore either. It's too dangerous. Uh, it's, it's really an amazing act of faith, trusting God. Our author expects us to know a good bit of the story of Moses. Of course, mm-hmm. he's writing to Hebrew Christians mm-hmm. who would have viewed Moses as the epitome. You know, Abraham, Moses, and David, these would be the guys they look back to throughout history. They would know the story, and the story, of course, that at the end of this period of being hidden, Pharaoh's daughter sees him mm-hmm. and decides to adopt him and allows, though I'm sure Pharaoh's daughter suspected, but allows Moses' biological mother to nurse him, to be the but nurse. then Moses is raised as Pharaoh's daughter. Right. Wow! What privileges and blessings, or I say blessings, they would seem like blessings for sure. What privileges and come, comes with that? Well, privileges would certainly be part of it. Uh, I believe it is in Stephen's retelling of this in, in uh, Acts 7, talking about him being trained up in the ways of the Egyptians, right? And All so, their education. Exactly. The education, the education of a prince. Probably that would include as well some military training. Actually, there would be an expectation that they go and uh, you know serve in battle. When Josephus tells the story of Moses, he actually adds some things not found in the biblical text, and the idea that Moses had distinguished himself on the battlefield uh, before he's forty years old right. uh, for the Egyptians. So all that's part of, though, and I I would say consistent with the idea of growing up in Pharaoh's palace. So listen, Moses, before he's 40 years old, certainly has laid out, hey, there is a path for me. There's a path for me to live here in Egypt, to do well in the environs of the royal household, to have money, to have success, to have comfort. Convenience. Yeah, Living uh, where he was in Egypt at that time in the civilization of mankind, pretty sweet place to be. Pretty sweet place to be. And Egypt, of course, is is of course is wealthy. Have I'm not sure until recently I thought through why Egypt would be wealthy, mm. but of course that's because of what Joseph did a few generations ago, that's as exactly he basically right. brought all of the wealth of Egypt to Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. So here's all of this wealth, and Moses has access to that. I can imagine if I were Moses, even if I looked out and knew, well, I'm a Hebrew like them, but hey, I know why Egypt has such wealth. It's because of our great, 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 however many greats, grandfather Joseph, not not quite as many yeah. as I said, I don't think, but our grandfather Joseph. So it's okay for me just to enjoy this wealth. This is a blessing. I mean, I hate that not everybody else is in the family is getting to experience it, but <laughs> but I have rights to this. I have um, rights to this. You know, perhaps that uh, Joseph certainly has a legacy of of uh, God using him uh, for the deliverance and the salvation of the people, and that that's working through the Egyptians. And now in the days of Moses, it's totally turned. You've got a Pharaoh that didn't remember Joseph, is afraid of the Egyptians, 
enslaving, excuse me, afraid of the Israelites, so enslaves them and is using them as this slave labor to now, what, build cities, I guess, and pyramids and whatever you build with bricks. So now Moses is saying that uh, his people are not celebrating benefiting from Egypt, but his people are being abused and persecuted by the Egyptians. He has a choice to make. I can hang on to all the wealth of Egypt, which is pretty immense, Mm -hmm. pretty privileges, pleasure, all of that. It's it's pretty grand. It's pretty great. It's 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 the swanky place to be. Yeah. Or I can go hang out with the people who are really my people, the people yeah. who really are the people of my God, the people mm-hmm. uh, they're out there being slaves. Mm-hmm. Moses mm-hmm. basically has that choice. That's exactly right. And the way the Hebrew writer frames it uh, is that he makes the choice to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, it's interesting to me that the Hebrew writer says when he makes this choice for his people, and that means choosing affliction instead of riches, the Hebrew writer ties it to Christ. Choosing a reproach from Christ. And Christ is not even there. No, that seems a bit of an anachronism. That's odd. Yeah, that's like throwing that in. He's clearly making a play on words. I think what's happening here, let me throw this out. This is this is my estimation. We've got a play on words. The Hebrew letter has very much been about the fact that the Christ is the Son. Mm-hmm. The whole letter began with God used to speak to the fathers in many ways, but sure. now speaks to us through the Son. Sure. We keep going through the letter and we find out that the Son is the Christ. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, chapter 5 and verse 5. So the Son is the Christ. When I remember back in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, as God is having Moses speak to Pharaoh, he's supposed to tell him, you let my son Israel, my firstborn son Israel, go. If you don't, at the end of this, I'm going to take your son, your firstborn son. Mm-hmm. I believe what our author is doing is making that play on words. It's this connection that as Christ is the son, Israel was the son. So when Moses takes on the reproach that Israel has, chooses Israel's reproach, he's choosing the reproach that God's son mm-hmm. was experiencing. We are to take on the reproach that God's son experienced. Of course, his was leaving heaven, coming to this earth as a servant, as a slave, being mocked and ridiculed, and then, of course, scourged ultimately and crucified. Yeah. Well, and that certainly, um, that parallel certainly speaks to what's going on with Hebrews in this letter in the 10th chapter. He was reminding them that uh, early on in their walk of faith, they did suffer persecution, the tribulation. They were the friends of those in chains and so forth. But what have they, where have they been lately, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the challenge for the Hebrew Christian, for the Hebrews, the first recipients of this letter, right, are they starting to look back to the passing pleasures of sin? Are they beginning to be enticed by those things instead of suffering the reproach of Christ? And he's, I believe, he's bringing Moses here to say, understand the choice before you and make the choice that Moses made. Choose to be with God's people. And why did Moses choose that? Because he was looking for a reward. He saw a reward coming. Yeah. The the grammar here, the play on words, is not that the reproach itself is greater wealth, though I don't think we should miss that in the statement it is 
the reproach of Christ is better wealth, greater than, riches than yeah. all the wealth of Egypt. Hmm. But the reason the reproach of Christ is the better wealth is because the reproach of Christ comes with the reward mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. Moses is looking to the reward. What reward? So when we go back in the Hebrew letter to uh, chapter 10 and verse 34, he said, for you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. I see the some parallels there in that Moses was willing to uh, set aside the pleasures and treasures of Egypt for the reward of this unseen and of heaven. And likewise, the Christians here are being called to do the same thing. Trust in the reward which is in heaven. And so suffer the reproach and the persecution of Christ now. What I think is fascinating about that is we can be tempted to think that the reward Moses is looking forward to is the promised land. Is the promised land. Because that's what he was heading toward. Yeah. But think that through in the context of Hebrews and in the context of the point of this, because where does Moses not get to go? Yeah. No, he, he doesn't set foot in the promised land, does he? If, if what this is about is getting to the promised land, then we have this story that kind of comes up short. Yeah. It's like it's like getting to the mall and at the last second finding out I don't get to go in and shop and buy my stuff. Well, and <laughs> yes. I, you know, and I think about we, we were talking about uh, Abraham yesterday and Peyton in, the, in that broadcast, and he's looking for a city, a heavenly country, yeah, a heavenly city. And so, even though he's the one with the promise made for the land, it, that it actually wasn't about that. It was about the heavenly, the heavenly. Which is why we're talking about the preservation of our souls, even if we die by faith. Yeah. Moses, though he didn't get in the promised land, he gets the reward. Mm-hmm. That's and right. And that's what he was looking to. We need to look into that. Hang on to the reward that is not about this life. Amen. I want to dig into that tomorrow. Sounds good. And with that, let's pray. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. We're so glad that we could be in your word and be be reminded again of the wonderful example of Moses of his parents, of faith. And Father, great faith when skin is in the game. It's it's so terrifying to think about making choices about the, the life or death of your children, uh, making choices about turning your back on a whole way of life to embrace the way that you have set before us. And yet, Father, these are the choices of faith. These are the sacrifices that your people have made in times past, and indeed, your people are called upon to make to love you more than anything, to trust you beyond anything, to know that the real reward is about the spiritual. And though it is unseen, Father, we believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna, Christ is captain of the mighty throne.